Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to episode 51 of Trail Society, brought to you by our friends over at Free Trail. I'm Corinne Malcolm. And I'm Keely Henninger. And Keely, my first question of the thing says, how is the old wing? We're going to talk about what happened at Western States a little bit more, but give people an update as to where you are in your post-Western States come down. Just a little, little taste. Yeah, a little taste. I am currently wearing a sling still around to most places. I took it off because I just got home and my elbow was starting to tweak out. So it's just, my arm's just sitting next to me now. Um, but <laughs> you've gone to the doctor. I've gone to the doctor. I've gotten an x-ray. Um, there's a lot of damage in there, but they can't decide what's from this most recent dislocation versus when I was 16 and dislocated to playing basketball. So kind of like trying to finagle all my old medical records and also getting an MRI in like a week to see like what kind of tendons are torn because the tendons shouldn't have been torn going into this. The bone probably still would have some deformities from past stuff, but the tendons should be good because that's what they repaired the last time. So um, that'll give a better picture. And for now, yeah, like a week or two for sure in the sling. I think my doc said two to three weeks. Um, and then, you know, if I need surgery, that's a different way. If I don't need surgery, that's a different way. So kind of we'll come to a fork in the road at some point to see what I have to do. So yeah, well, trying not to think about it. <laughs> thankfully, it's your non-dominant arm, right? That's true. Yes. Otherwise, I mean, JT is getting better, I think, at putting ponytails and braids in, I'm sure, though, at this point. <laughs> Sort of, but I had him do one the other day and he only went around twice. And so it oh. fell out within like maybe three minutes. <laughs> well, he'll be, he'll be trained soon enough. I feel like I got lucky that it was Steven who had the shoulder surgery in our relationship because he's very low maintenance versus like, oh my gosh, dealing with my hair would have been a disaster. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I'm very grateful. It's my dominant hand, but it's kind of crazy. Like so many things you use your hand or your arm for that. You're like, oh man. I can't even do that. Like we're going on his boat this weekend, like a little raft. And I'm like, well, I can't help paddle. So <laughs> you're like, I'll be paddling in a circle if you let me yeah, paddle. So I'm just going to, so, I'm just going to enjoy myself. Yeah. I'll just sunbathe for three days. So great. You know, there are worse things in life. There are. It's a good recovery yeah. weekend. Yeah. And we'll, we'll dive into kind of the, the full Western state story in a little bit, but I'm glad to see that you're mostly in pretty good spirits. Yeah. It's yeah. like hard to be upset when the whole experience around Western States and like the whole community and just all of the memories with it, like even just leading up to it, um, they were so great. So it'd be hard to like be super bummed. I don't know. Like, obviously I'm super bummed, but it'd be hard to make that be like all consuming. Yeah. Well, I think that also speaks to like maturity and like where you where even like a difference between this year and last year and this year and, and years previous. But we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. But I'm I'm I was proud to see you at the award ceremony, like with a good face on, like ready to like see people because I know that that is historically not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't go last year. I would cry whenever I saw anybody. <laughs> you know, two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> we got another. You know, you got another. What like. 25 miles in the bank this time around, almost 30 miles in the bank this time around. So it'll third time's the charm. Um, Before we dive into Keeley's Western States story from start to finish, um, we got to have to give a shout out to AG1. They've made this thing possible from the get-go. They've been our longtime sponsor and we are so, so grateful to have them as part of our Trail Society team. Um, I traveled to California with my travel packs when I was not sleeping and 
was surviving largely on gummy candy for several days. Athletic Greens was there to support me with AG1. Again, if you want to try out AG1, you're going to go over to athleticgreens.com slash trail society. And by doing so, you support the podcast with your first purchase. You're going to get um, five free travel packs and a year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. Can't recommend it enough. So again, that's www.athleticgreens.com slash trail society. Before we dive into Western States results, because obviously we're gonna talk about Western States, we have to like just talk about a few other things that happened in the past weekend because it turns out that Western States was like the obviously the most important one. Just kidding. But also like there's other things that happened. And I wanted to like first give a shout out to Marathon du Mont Blanc because that was like really, really cool. I we had friends over there racing. We had seen the Hemmings in at Broken Arrow before they took off for it. Um, I think it was, I don't think Zagama was on Eurosport. I think Mar- Martha Dumont Block was the first golden trail series on Eurosport. Maybe it kicked off with Zagama, mm-hmm. but in my mind, this felt like the, like we're into summer, we're into summer racing. Um, and really like the, the performances at the front of the pack were darn near course record paces by Remy Bonet and Sophia Lockley, just like absolutely blitzing the field. Remy won by five minutes over Eli Hemming and Petter Engdahl was third. Sophia won by 11 minutes. Like, I think she went wire to wire, um, like took out the lead pack really strongly. She was, um, she won by 11 minutes over Yao Miao of China, who we've seen race at UTMB finals in OCC and CCC. And then, um, Oana, um, Quartzar, a Spanish athlete was third. And then Tabor Hebbing was the top American or the second, I guess the second American, the next top American in the women's field finishing 10th place. Like just... I was blown away, honestly, particularly by Sophia Laukley, because I feel like we just got a taste of her potential last year. And then this year was like, damn, to win by 11 minutes at Marathon du Mont Blanc is like a big deal. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a super big deal. Do you know if like the conditions were good or bad or what was it like over there? It looked like conditions were pretty ideal. Like it didn't look like it was a particularly stormy day. It didn't seem like things were too wet. Um, cause I feel like they've had like years where it has been pretty stormy or it's been really, really hot, but it seems like the race weekend went pretty smoothly. Actually last year, the 90 K was canceled, um, at the, at this event due to weather. Um, mm-hmm. but it seemed pretty darn ideal. And I just like, I think that this is like Eli Hemming and Sophia Lockley, like just stamping their names, like on the golden trail series. And I think that we're going to see a lot from them this year. Yeah. It's so exciting. I love seeing the U S start to really come up on the ranks in this series. Um, yeah. and the 80 K your, her main Granger. So like Katie shine. Oh, Jermo, Yeah. Yeah. He got first in the 80 K, which is cool. Yeah. They had a big, they had a big weekend. I actually was sitting next to Katie Shide in the finishing shoot for her interview. And I was like, Hey, Jermo won. like, you guys have had a pretty good weekend. And she was like, yeah, we have, I should probably call him. <laughs> <laughs> so it is cool to watch like these couples crush it from afar. Um, Tom Evans' wife, um, Sophie, was racing, I think, a triathlon World Cup Western mm-hmm. States weekend as well. Like she wasn't there on the ground. She was she's trying to make the Olympic team for the next summer games for Great Britain in uh Olympic like sprint triathlon and is super talented. So yeah, it's like everyone's just off crushing doing their thing. I think that's super cool. So cool. Um, La was that this weekend too. And I don't think like, I think the talent got pretty spread out. It actually looks like the Andorra race. That's 105 K that we'll talk about. They seemed in my mind to pull the stronger field a little bit, but I just wanted to give a shout out to the men's and women's 
winners at Lavaredo. Um, Fiona Port won by over an hour, but she was still, I mean, uh, Carolyn Chaverneau has the record there. So it's like that might stand for forever, but she finished, you know, that's like 1402, 1403. And Fiona ran a 1457, but she won by a lot, like a lot, a lot. And then um, Jonas Rusi won the men's race in 1213. He was a bit closer to the record. He's only about 20 minutes off of it. And he also won by a sizable margin as well. So just like, it was interesting to see kind of like they were the standout favorites. Um, Kelly Wolf is over there and dropped, um, from the race, I think citing injury, but haven't heard any more from that. She's, she's one you've actually raced Lavarita before. Yeah. I raced it the year, the first year I declined my golden ticket, um, 2018. 2018. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this will be shorter than Western States. <laughs> and you and Claire and Kelly all raced that year, right? Exactly. Yeah. And Claire and I and Kelly ran together for the first about 60 K and then Kelly took off through this like gnarly climb up a riverbed. Like, I don't even know how you're running it fast. It's just all rock bed. Um, and then I kind of blew up. Claire kind of blew up. I got, ended up getting fifth. Claire was like top 10 and it was a suffer fest for everyone and Kelly had a great day, but it was, it was really fun. It was a good reminder that when your Italian friend who lives in Italy tells you that a course is buffed out trails, <laughs> um, and you're thinking about them. the trails of the United States, don't listen to them. It is not a buffed out trail. Like to me, it was very technical. Um, but you know, to him it's, it's everyday trail. So yeah, definitely really funny. race than what I thought I was signing up for, but it was still like a really beautiful experience. And like those trails are amazing. Yeah. I remember racing, I was racing Western States that year. I'd gotten in through the lottery, through the wait list. And, um, actually your part, your Lake Sonoma golden ticket roll down is why I think like it eventually rolled out of the top five and went to the wait list. And I happened to be the top of the wait list. So Amy Leadham. Oh, cool texted me and was like, Hey, you're getting into Western States today. And I was like, Oh, sick. Um, and it was because the Lake Sonoma ticket rolled to the wait list, which I think is ironic that it rolled to a person who like could have been in a golden ticket hunt at a race. Um, mm -hmm. if I had chosen to do so, I ran canyons that year before it was a golden ticket race and had won that, but yeah, was not, was not at a golden ticket race otherwise, but yeah, Lavaredo is super, super cool. But I remember like us following the results ahead of the like uh, ahead of Western States starting and like hearing about you guys running together and like hearing about Kelly taking off. And just like, I remember us all being really excited, like mm -hmm. in the women's pack, getting ready to start the race because we had these three American crushers over in oh. Italy throwing down at Lavaredo. It was very cool. So fun. Yeah. I definitely, it's like one of those races that I want to go back to, but I also don't. <laughs> that's fair. I think, I think that's fair. You don't have to want to go back. Um, the other big race that happened this weekend, it's the second annual edition of it. So technically last year's course records were the only course records in existence. And Andorra has had other really, they've had hard hundred mile races. This is the, the trail hundred Andorra by UTMB. It's 105 kilometers with like 22,000, just over 22,000 feet of climbing. So it qualifies actually for UTMB over CCC. Um, because it's really verdy. And so it's a little bit of a slower course. Um, this race felt like it was a much more hotly contested race. Um, although on the women's side, Esther Fellhofer won by 90 minutes, which is huge, but like the women behind her are like nothing to scoff at. So she set a new course record. And then Yuan Yuan Wu was second and Adiko, um, Wehrmesher, who's Hungarian was third and Adiko 
will run her way into the top five or top 10 at a UTMB like like finale race every mm-hmm. single time. Like she's a closer. She just gets faster. She doesn't slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, Adiko scares me if she's chasing you in the back, back third of a UTMB 170 K race. Um, so she was third on the men's side. This to me was really interesting. All three men went under Zach Miller's time from last year. So all the top three men all broke the existing course record. Um, and that was kind of Zach Miller's, I feel like returned to running post ankle stuff last year. Um, but on the top of the podium was this guy named, um, Ben demon or demon. Um, in my head it's demon, which sounds like a really fun last name, but it's spelled D H I M A N. Um, he actually tied with Jean Philippe, um, Shumi, who's a Swiss, a Swiss runner. They tied for first. Um, Ben has had a great season. He like won Penny Galosa earlier this year. He was, um, I think he was third at, um, grand raid last year. Like he lives in Spain. I don't think anyone's ever heard of him. Um, but he's apparently a very talented mountain runner who just happens to be based in Spain. Um, so really cool to see that. And then Pau Capel of, of Pau Capel fame was third, but they all went under Zach Miller's course record from last year. And so I think that was like, in my mind, like probably one of the more competitive races of the weekend outside of Western States. Yeah. I think he got third at Grand Raid. That's super, that's super good. It's very mm-hmm. stout. Like yep. that's no, not, not a slouch and surprisingly mm-hmm. not a name any of us are too familiar with. Yeah. He's been in the sport for like, since 2014, he's been running 50 K to a hundred miler. So he's just slowly chipping away at getting better and better, which is always so fun to see. Yeah. He'll be one of those people that like flies under the radar at something, but hopefully this means he's running UTMB in August, September. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep our eyes on Ben as that approaches. We're going to dive into some news, some quick news, some good, some bad, um, before we, before we do Keely's phenomenal interview. Um, I just pulled some quick things. The first of which, which I'm really excited about is next month's, um, FIFA women's world cup. It's set to become the most attended standalone women's sport event in history. And the organizers have recently confirmed that more than 1 million tickets have been sold. Um, the women's, the women's world cup, I think is like one of them, like one of the best sporting events every time it happens. So really excited for that to get underway. And I think they're going to have record attendance at most games. That's amazing. I'm going to tune in. Yeah. Like, yeah. In your sling, just, just mark your calendars. Keely, we'll find you on the couch. I don't have anything else to do. So. I don't have anything else to do. You're going to write. You're going to write secondary essays for, uh, for medical school and, uh, watch the women's world cup. <laughs> yeah. And you can still throw a chuck it with your one arm. So I think that's good. That's true. Um, and I can still, I can still go for walks with Jade. Yeah. That's all, all that matters. Right in the world. <laughs> chuck it and Jade walks and being able to hold coffee. We'll get you a look. If you have to have surgery, we'll get you one of those like little coffee cup holders for your, your sling. Ooh, perfect. Yeah. Otherwise I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't hold it, hold it in one hand. I did that this morning and you know, it gets kind of, yeah, kind of hot. You want to switch hands. I know you're right. Your right arm is going to be jacked is what's going to happen. Um, other news less. We'll, we'll, we'll do one more, one more happy thing. We're not going to do it. We won't do a happy, sand, sad sandwich for you all we'll do one more happy thing. And that's that air Vipa, um, announced that they're going to pay for those who get golden tickets for Western States at Haviland and Black Canyon, Air Vipa is going to pay the registration fee for those athletes, which I think is phenomenal. Many of us, our sponsors will pay for those fees for us or reimburse us for them. Um, but for those like Anthony Costales, 
who got a golden ticket. Um, mm-hmm. There's like Meg Morgan, who's on a Lost Sportiva contract, but I don't know what oh. that actually equates to in the US. Well, like with not great contracts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. With not great contracts. Like um, Solomon didn't pay for my entry in 2018. Like, mm-hmm. so I think it's like really cool that Aravipa is stepping up to um, just remove that as a barrier for those who might have turned down the ticket because just trying to get to Western States feels too expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a $500 rent entry fee. It's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, the silver belt buckle that you get when you finish under 24 hours is I think it costs $430. So oh my god, it's not a money-making scheme. It's a trying to give you, put on a world-class event and 100%, 100%. make it happen, but, and buy, you know, time. buy however many pounds of ice for, for all you crazy runners. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk about briefly was this came out, I think probably two weeks ago or so. Um, and it was, it was because the, the report about Tori Bowie's death finally was released. She died back in May. Um, but only two weeks ago or so, um, it was announced that she passed away in May due to complications related to childbirth. She was eight months pregnant at the time, um, and likely had eclampsia, which, um, is high blood pressure disorder related, related to being pregnant. Um, and it, I think happens more commonly, uh, in like with mothers in black, like who are black that are pregnant, um, more than anyone, but yeah, essentially like died from complications of that. Um, they basically did a, well, like some, like a neighbor called it in because they hadn't seen her. And, um, that's like the only way that they discovered that she had passed away. And it's just like, it's very, very tragic. Um, but I think it was Allison Felix who posted on her Instagram that as of June, 2023, three of the four members of the women's four by 100 meter team from Rio that one silver, I believe at Rio, um, in like a record setting time, um, three of the four of them have either nearly died or died during childbirth. Allison Felix herself, um, had to have an emergency C-section, um, I think due to something similar to eclampsia, like, or like not, not at full, not at full term, essentially just like really just like pointing, pointing kind of, I guess, a finger at, this very well known, but oftentimes not talked about black maternal health crisis, mm-hmm. um, which is just really sad that in Western civilization in particular, like this is such, is still such an issue that like the maternal m- mortality rate for black women is 2.6 times higher or 2.6 times the rate of, for white men, women. And that to me is just like, Oh, it's like a tough pill to swallow. And it's, it only ends in tragedy for folks. And so I just, I, I'm, I'm devastated for Tori and her family and her support system and those close to her, um, and her team, her former teammates, et cetera. And at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm happy that people like Allison and this, like, and, and the track and field world in general are like raising concerns and like a really, vocal and public way we we can link this piece that 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 Allison wrote for Time magazine um about Tori's death and i think that it's just a really powerful piece yeah oh my gosh yeah my heart was broken when i read that but then you know i also started reading a little bit more and i was diving into like overall maternal health and mm-hmm. a lot of websites kind of point to so overall maternal health is pretty poor in the United States which which is insane it's insane because we're a western country we're very civilized we have a lot of quote unquote very good health care um yet our maternal um the mortality rate is very high 
And I was looking into like, well, why is that? And, and what, what kind of population is that focused on? And one site in particular was quoting that one of the big reasons why we have this maternal health crisis is because of low income or minority populations. Those are the ones driving the number up even more than like the white population, which is horrible. And that, you know, things like eclampsia are super common, yet we're still not figuring out a way to like be preventative with them. Like they cause that along with bleeding during childbirth um, and like infections, obviously, are the like account for 80% of maternal deaths. And so in my mind, like preeclampsia and eclampsia, eclampsia are things we could probably try to maybe prevent or predict, try to give the, the female some sort of, you know, intervention before it even becomes a thing. Yeah. I just, like, so just, I feel like support system. Right. I think, and, right. and that probably is why it's highlighted in these, like, in these populations that maybe don't have great access to, yeah. to healthcare is that, you know, that those are, those are the checkups being missed or unavailable to them, et cetera. And like Mm -hmm. that when Steven did his rotation, his OB-GYN rotation in Fresno, like that was highlighted, I think pretty strongly during Mm -hmm. that experience of like, he did, um, he did like a gynecological, um, surgical rotation there. And it was like, oh, these people, like these individuals have not, like, this is them not like having healthcare available to them. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the thing that's been put off for three months or six months or nine months um, because healthcare, like they don't have access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not like, so, that's not their fault. It's not any individual's fault. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a failing of the system. hundred percent. Yeah. It's just like, it just, it, it makes my blood boil a little bit because you know, of all of these other diseases and disorders and complications that arise in different populations yet like we're dealing with mothers worldwide specifically low income or low socioeconomic status mothers and we're not like figuring out a solve and it just like is really awful so yeah yeah, yeah. Thank not you not happy news but bringing more awareness to it yeah and uh we'll try to find some other resources so if people are interested in supporting causes um when it comes to Actually, I think this would be we'll 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 reach out to um who am I thinking of? Um the Every Mother Org with um Elsa Montano. We'll try to reach out to um that organization as well. Cause I think it'd be I'd be really we've we've wanted to talk to them, we've wanted to like hear from them um and like get to highlight what they're doing. So hopefully we can make that happen in the coming weeks because I think that that would be kind of a way to hopefully share some more resources for you all um, with things that are that, that you can take action on in your own lives to to help because yeah it's a known crisis and shouldn't be swept under the rug Mm-mm. yeah and that's and mother by Elisa. and mother not every mother I'll get it right eventually okay you're close. well I was really close I knew that there you know I got I got I was on my way there my brain is still mashed potatoes I'm sorry um, Western States, Western, Western States brain, which we'll talk about here in a second before we do. So we've got to give one more shout out and that's to the feed. I just got my feed shipment actually yesterday and it had not one, but two packs of waffles in it. My freezer is now fully stocked. That meant this morning when I headed out for a run bright and early, I had a PT. I uh, was able to pop a waffle in the toaster and take it in the car with me on my way to the trailhead. And it was like the perfect thing to be quick and convenient. And you too can try things at the feed 
by going to www.thefeed.com slash trail society. And there you can get a $15 credit that is awarded every quarter. So $60 over the year there. Also, you can um, fill out a little bit of information and get a trail society water bottle that they're so cool. You guys have been tagging us in your posts with your water bottles on Instagram. Please continue to do so. Keely, now that you're uh, in a hit pause mode a little bit, are you going to, is your feed shipment shifting to more coffee, less snacks? What's happening there? Great question. I think I'm going to really have to think through my next shipment because yeah, I, I don't know if I'll need high like energy providing substances for the next couple of weeks. So maybe I'll be looking a lot more into the recovery section, the breakfast section, and they also sell, I don't know if you know this, I'm guessing you do, but they sell a lot of gadgets and like recovery mm-hmm. tools. Cool recovery tools. Yeah. I might just browse. Mm, I like it. I love it. I think that sounds perfect. So again, you can go over to www.feed.com slash society and try out our favorite sports, nutrition, recovery, product, et cetera, marketplace that exists. So we're going to dive into a little thing we call the meat and potato section. And today's meat and potatoes special guest is our own Keely Henninger. And that is because she towed the line just like just last week at Western States, the, the Western States endurance run. Um, it was a crazy weekend. As I said, my brain is still largely made of mashed potatoes. Um, although we are working towards a more solid substance for brain matter. And Keely, I think I would love to start by talking about like your prep a little bit more. We've, we've like talked about it a little bit here and there over the past couple months, but you chose to spend the final six weeks building to Western States in Tahoe, which we knew was a bold decision initially because there was a lot of snow on the ground, but I think it, I think it ultimately was a great decision for you. So just tell us a little bit about like how you feel about that decision now in hindsight, would you do it again? Like how did that play into your like race mindset as race, as like race day approached? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I initially decided to stay in Tahoe for those six weeks because I thought Tahoe would be similar to last year where the snow was melted. You could run a lot of trails <laughs> from your door. You could mountain bike, you could do all these things. Um, as I as that became clear that that was not going to be the case, um, I was really on the fence at first if I was going to actually stay for the whole time or not. But then once I was out there, um, I decided to stay for two reasons. One being that I could go to the course really easily and go train on the course, you know, a couple times a week. And, and the second being that I was living at 6,200 feet. And I do think because I live typically at like a thousand feet and I'm a lowlander, I do think that altitude adaptation is helpful, especially for someone like me who doesn't live at altitude. And so ultimately those two reasons kind of factored in and I decided to just go for it and stay for the like seven weeks or whatever it was. Um, and I think it was a great idea. I loved living there. Tahoe is so quaint. It definitely now high is way higher on my list of places I would like to live. The community there is amazing. Obviously the mountains there are beautiful. And again, I could get to the course really easily. And I, although I had to drive more than normal, um, it was totally worth it. And I loved logging a lot of miles on the course. I think it gave me a lot of confidence in all of the sections of the course, you know, from 50 K to the finish, and allowed me to revisit the spot that allowed me to made me drop last year and run through that a couple of times with confidence and almost pay homage to that area so that I, you know, wouldn't feel freaked out when I got to it during the race. Um, and just 
the, and it also gave me just confidence in the area and like a calm sense of being with the surroundings. Like it just felt like my home. And so there was no stress around the race or the course or where I was in Tahoe when the race came, because I'd been there for so long and I got to know everyone and I got to know the trails and it was a really fun, fun scenario. Um, but I guess for, for doing it. And so I, I think it helped me keep a really calm mindset um, as for doing it again, <laughs> I'm not sure I would because I feel kind of scarred right now and very uh <laughs> I I'm I I don't know if I can go like all in again uh like in terms of moving away from my fiance from my family here in Portland my community here in Portland my house like I don't know if I have the mental fortitude or capacity or desire to do that again if I do western states again um again, that may change. It's just how I feel right now. I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can like do that again. Yeah. Who knows? You might be moving to San Francisco or Sacramento (laughs) or something next year anyway. So maybe Mm -hmm. you can pull a Corinne from 2018 who literally moved to San Francisco from Bellingham the week of Western States. There we go. (laughs) I would not recommend doing it the exact same week, but um, it is a strategy that can be done when someone in your life, maybe yourself is starting medical school. Um, but I'm glad to hear that it's not that being in Tahoe for six weeks is not the, is, is, or rather being in Tahoe for six weeks is the, like, maybe not again versus the Western States, maybe, maybe not again scenario. So happy to to tease that, to hear that a little bit. Um, I got to actually see you race week. Um, I was really excited to be there for broken arrow. I got to crash at your Airbnb where there were like more dogs than people. I'm pretty sure it was delightful. Um, and you were just like this, calm, cool cucumber of a human. And maybe that was just the exterior. Um, but I'm just like wondering as more people started to roll into town, like into Tahoe and into like Olympic Valley, including your crew, but also other athletes, like how did that feel as like you were really building race week? Yeah, I felt probably the most calm that I've ever felt for a race in my whole running career. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was obviously exterior, but it definitely was interior as well. And I attribute that to living there. And I also attribute that to my training. And I just felt really confident in my training and the run felt like the really fun part. And so none of the stuff race week, especially around myself, my crew and my house made me feel stressed at all. Um, As more people started rolling into town and maybe I would go into Olympic Valley for an interview or something that's where I would have to just really protect my headspace and like only stay downtown for that short amount of time and make sure to head out and just not get caught up in all of the questions of the monotonous questions of people wanting to know how you're feeling for states. And your answer is I feel great. (laughs) Um, And so I think keeping that at bay was really helpful. And then the only time I felt stressed with my, my zoo of a house was the day before the race, I really just wanted to sleep in and and a couple friends, you know, not unknowingly just came over and were kind of chatting like so early in the morning, like to me, not early, but for me before a race early, it was like 8am or something just so loud. And I'm like up there just like, I just want my morning. Like, I don't want to go down and chat and had a little pity party. And then, you know, gave myself an extra hour and, and was fine. But yeah, otherwise I felt really cool or cool as a cucumber, as you say. And then my, my therapist also echoed that. She's like, I think you're in a really good headspace right now. And I'm really happy for you. And yeah, for the first time since, you know, talking with her, I I agreed. So yeah, I felt pretty calm. Good. That's amazing. I I love that. You're like, yeah, I I was calm. Like I 
came in prepared for it and like made, protected your own space and set boundaries. And I think that was really awesome. I know I was like, Oh, Keely's it's okay. If I crash for a night, like, Ooh, like she must be feeling like really, really calm, really ready to go. Um, it was, it was awesome. And your crew was, was phenomenal. This is kind of an aside, not really a question, but Topher apologized to me, apologized to me like a dozen times. Um, cause I missed, I like was standing in the back of the athlete presentation. So I really couldn't hear what was going on. Um, but it sounds like he read through the list, like was like calling people up, like in the women's elite field and then like got to the end of it and like, hadn't called you up and people were like, Hey, excuse me, man. Like you missed, you missed one. Mm-hmm. And he was like, just devastated after the fact. And he's like, I tried to like, be like, Nope, no, no, I did not miss one. <laughs> Saving the best for last. Um, but I have to imagine that had to be like a little bit of like a wait, what hiccup? Yeah. Like, it Oh was no. Definitely funny. I mean, the other girls got more offended than me. So I didn't say anything. Everyone else was like, what about Kaylee? <laughs> Bring her up. It's funny. Courtney did that for me at Madeira, uh, not this year, but last year being like, um, excuse me, you, you forgot about Corinne. And it was very sweet. It makes you oh feel very God, loved so and cared cute. for. Yeah. But I want you to know you were on his list. I just think Topher was very, very stressed about trying yeah. to pronounce like Esther's name. Right. Yeah, and yeah, like, Oh, like, I didn't care. I knew I was on the list. He called me up to come up in the first place. And then he was like, oops. And then he forgot to just give my little mini bio. So it's fine. I I wasn't upset about it. (laughs) I was like, this might be a good omen. And then, you know, I channeled that good omen and just ended up not being a good omen. (laughs) I love what people don't know too, is that on a shakeout run that I went, I was on with you, we saw a hawk and we're like, oh, like it's, it's a great omen. It's Keely's the bird of prey. She's going to be hunting people down. And I know that you were ready to hunt people down and I was Uh, getting ready to say it on the live broadcast. And then instead we were like, where is she? What has happened? (laughs) Disaster. Um, again, we'll talk about it more in just a bit. First, I want to start with the gun going off and being in that start shoot and heading up the escarpment with all these guys and gals into the high country, high country that we weren't sure we you know, there was some unknown, like how snowy was it going to be? How hard were course markings going to be to follow? When was there going to be good running underfoot? So talk, like walk us through a little bit, your experience with that kind of high country section of the course, like all the way to Robinson flat. Oh yeah. I mean, first of all, we hit snow before the top of the escarpment, obviously. Um, and that made for a little bit of a slippery go up to the very top. Cause at the top, I would say it was the most crowded I've ever seen it it felt like we were in a European race. Like there were so many people up there banging cowbells, screaming, like you were running through a tunnel of people, but you were running, still walking, running on snow. That was a little slippery at that point. And so, you know, you're kind of like all over the place going through this tunnel. Um, but it was amazing. And the sunset up there or the sunrise up there was amazing. All the snow up there, like made it even more magical. Um, and then, you know, as you came off the top, it was almost a little bit of a deceptive play by the snow. There was no snow the first like mile. And so you got like a little bit of a switchback down. It might not have been a full mile, but it was, it was, it was long enough to, it was confidence boosting. Yes. And you're like, okay, cool. I can do this. And then it's like, nope. (laughs) And I thought that I had mentally prepared for the snow, but I would say that there was no amount of mental preparation I could have done for how much snow there actually was. It wasn't like, you know, you're running through tiny little snow banks. Like you're running through just still areas that the snow was probably still seven feet tall. Yeah. And so like, it was just chaos. And I 
slid a lot. I fell a lot, like not, not fell, but like, you know, you kind of like take a step and then whoop, your foot's gone. Cause like, it's the side of a snowbank. Um, and so for a while I was stuck in this hard place because it was unrelenting. It just kept going. You'd get like maybe quarter mile of dirt sometimes. And then it would just be right back into the snow. Um, and I was stuck in a hard place because I was running with a group. I was running with Taylor Nolan and Emily Hoggett and a couple guys and Heather Jackson was with sometimes and with ebb and flow, but I realized they were running a little fast for me. So I would try to like back off, but then I would immediately get lost like multiple times to the point where I was like, well, this isn't worth it either. And so I was really like trying to decide, like, do I push it a little harder and run with them or do I you know, run by myself and get lost. And so I ultimately decided to run with them and hindsight's 2020, but like now I'm like, oh, I should have waited and just got the like slower group and ran with them because I didn't need to expend the little extra energy running through the snow because I'm not the greatest snow runner. And I knew that going in. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, another group would have picked you up if you, if you just exactly. for a second. And so always hindsight's always 2020, but that's like thinking more critically now. I'm like, I should have just slowed down a little bit because it did take its toll on me a little, I think, unbeknownst to me at the time, but like it was harder than I thought it was going to be. And again, I'm not the best snow runner. So it definitely was, it was challenging, but while I was running it, I did have one, two thoughts. I was like, man, wish I could have a GoPro on Courtney and just see what she's doing. Cause I feel like she's probably just skiing through everything. And then I also was like, Tyler Green is probably loving this. Oh, Tyler Green yeah. and Jeff Colt and Dakota Jones, I heard just had an absolute blast in the, yep. in the snow. They were just like having the best time. It sounds like. So I'm glad for them. I had a, I feel like 70% fun, 20% uh, like not fun, maybe type two fun. And then 10%, just like a little bit of chaos. Yeah. I think that's a good mix for that. I think there are people who like, if you're going to beat yourself up in that section, it's going to be really, really extra tiring versus like, if you are like, Hey, this is hard for everyone. It's going to be hard for me. Mm-hmm. And like, can just focus on like steady forward progress, even if that means falling over a bunch type of thing. Like that seemed to be the the case for many people. But I do know like Jeff Colt was like 15 minutes faster to Robinson flat than last year. Whoa. And I bet Tyler was faster to Robinson flat yeah. than last that year. That kind of stuff blows my mind because I was much slower. I think Katie, uh, not Katie Scheid. Um, Katie Scheid, obviously, and Courtney were running very fast. But, Courtney was um, faster than her 2020 or 2019 win. And then Katie Asmuth, or uh, Courtney was ahead of, I think, her 2019 splits because she dropped. That was the year she dropped out. Oh, okay. um, and there was some snow that year. That was a cooler year with snow in the high country. Um, Katie Asmith, I think was like 30 minutes behind her mm-hmm. last year splits. That makes sense. At Robinson. Do you yeah, know what year splits differed between Robinson? I this think year? mine was like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like early. It's, it seems like, it seems like the navigation on the snow really was mm-hmm. like a surprise, a surprisingly hard feature for many okay. people. Was it like, I, 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 like, this is like what I was told. I was told that people would like, find a flag or finally see someone buy the next flag. And then everyone would just like beeline to that flag and then kind of like beeline to the next flag. As soon yeah, as we got a little it. separated. So we didn't have that luxury as much, but we would start like yelling out like, no, no, it's left. And then, you know, I'll turn around and go up left. Cause a lot of the ones that were the most tricky were either a, the switchbacks, mm-hmm. the switchbacks were still cut like switchbacks, but it was all snow. So you're like running around trees. Yeah. Like, what? And then I would say the second part being sometimes the line from your vantage would look like it would go one way, like what the trail line would look Mm -hmm. like. 
but then the the flag would just go like the opposite way and like up a snowbank and you'd be like oh shoot it's actually up there and we gotta like crawl up this thing <laughs> yeah oh, what a, what a time it yeah. was an adventure that is for sure it sounds like katie shad and courtney just talked about trying to convince it sounds like katie mostly talked to courtney about trying to convince her to start doing schemo oh. i was like you like this Do some schemo. um okay so you get you get to robinson flat you're hopefully not frazzled but you've like expended more energy maybe than you were hoping to on the snow like talk to us about coming into robinson flat and then like kind of strategy from there as you rolled through where you rolled your ankle last year like back mm-hmm. back to race day and then also just like you were running within a really tight group of women, at least from our vantage point in the studio slash live timing. Um, talk to us a little bit about like the the Robinson Flat aid station pit stop and then heading into the canyons. Yeah. <clears throat> so going into Robinson Flat, I was so excited to see my crew and I didn't stay for very long. And at the time, like when I was in the actual heat of the moment, cause that, that was also a crazy aid station. So yes. many people, it was so disorienting. Um, at the moment I felt like I was there for a while, but I definitely like, as soon as I left, I was like, oh my gosh, I should have stayed there way longer and like actually talked to my crew. Like I didn't even tell them the, about the snow. I didn't say like anything, like didn't make any sort of conversation, Um, and so I think like immediately I slowed down a little bit because I was like, oh, I think I'm a little bit frazzled. So I need to chill because I should have stayed there a little longer. I hadn't given JT a kiss when I left, which I feel like is a red flag. And so I was like, okay, time to slow down a little bit. And then literally trying to go around this car that's there, like stuck in the mud, the guy almost opens his door. So I go to stop and I like slip and fall into the truck. (laughs) Right outside of Robinson Flat. I'm like, what is going on? You're like, <laughs> I swear, like, I'm a professional like athlete. I'm very mud. coordinated. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Um, but then, you know, from that point till when I actually dropped at 80, I hadn't, I didn't fall again. Um, I was crushing it. Um, Love it. But so yeah, from Robinson to Michigan Bluff, I definitely like started backing off a little bit, but was still staying pretty steady. And it was so fun. I got to run the whole time basically with Taylor and and Emily. So we were running like three, four, five with Ida popping in and out basically the whole time. We all were just staying pretty much together. It was really nice to have that group um, just to kind of keep you in check. Um, I think it's, it's hard to run with a group for that long Mm -hmm. because we all have different strengths. And I think that I love climbing and I know I take descents especially those in the canyons a little bit slower because I'm a little timid now um and so I think like sometimes that makes you run a little bit of a different race than you'd want but overall like still was really fun running with them we were all like kind of even telling like oh did you eat your three hour mark did you eat your eight hour mark like we were still like kind of shouting stuff out like that too um and so then you know at Michigan Bluff we were kind of coming up the second canyon we kind of spread out a little bit and Katie Asmuth had caught us same with Esther And so we were all like three through eight were within 12 seconds of one another. Like we basically were one unit. It was so cool. And it was like such a crazy environment going into Michigan Bluff where I saw like my crew B, so not my first crew, but my second crew and, you know, stopped there and was like, I think I want to cool down a little bit. I've had felt started feeling like just a little bit hot. And so spent a little bit extra time there, cooled off a lot more grab some extra electrolytes and some fluid. And then, yeah, kind of took off knowing I'd see someone at Bath Road and 
yeah, I was still feeling pretty good. Like energy was good. Was really trying to just continue to not run someone else's race because mm-hmm. it's so caught up in it, even though it's still early, but you're like, all these people are around, like, what do I do? And yeah. so trying to monitor that I do think is really challenging. And I thought Black Canyons was a good test, but like two people versus six is different. So yeah, like in, like in a the little big, more overwhelming in the big race too. I definitely remember coming through, I feel like the canyons into Michigan bluff towards forest Hill. Like I spent a lot of time with Casey Licktag in those sections, a lot of time with like Camilla Mayfield, just kind of yo-yoing. Right. Cause like someone's running one thing better than the other, you know, someone's Caitlin Gerben, I think through that section too. It's like the, the little checks and balances there. And yeah, it's definitely, it's hard. I remember Coop being at Michigan bluff and being like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. Like you're running really smart. Like the race, like you don't need to push yet. Like you're doing like, like stay calm. And I'm like, okay, I'm calm. And it's just like, it's hard though when you're in that moment and there's like, yeah, a bunch, a bunch of people like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Once like for you, three through eight all together. It was really exciting for us. broadcasting. It was was exciting too. I just, it was almost like a good lesson again in race racing and just trying to stay so true to yourself. Yeah. You've gotten some good practice in that's for sure. Even if things have not gone completely to plan. I did hear, I think it was Katie Asmuth maybe who mentioned like seeing you either in the Michigan bluff section or forest hill section of just being like, um, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Emily and, and, uh, Taylor. Cause I spent a bunch of time with them post-race of just being like, like you having mentioned that, like, Oh, my, my stomach's a little bit off. Like just going to like ease into this next section type of thing. So talk about like getting to bath road seeing, seeing her at the bottom of Bath Road, running into Forest Hill. Forest Hill is also bananas because you all came through there together, just like Michigan Bluff. Um, talk us through like that next most chaotic aid station and like kind of strategy. You're going to pick up a pacer. You're, you're rolling into this like really fun section of Cal Street. Like talk to us about like where you were like physically headspace wise, et cetera. Yeah. So actually going into Forest Hill, my stomach was fine, but I did have, I was basically just like, oh, I'm just taking this descent pretty easy. And so like, that was kind of the conversation going into Forest Hill. Um, however, at Forest Hill, I admitted to my crew that I hadn't been fueling super well, like maybe the past hour or so. So I drank like a full Roctane and took a couple gels and like some salt tabs. And so leaving forest hill like a couple miles later i started feeling my stomach a little bit i was like ooh, i just put 600 calories in there that was too much especially with the salt like one of the two was too much and so for like 10 of those miles with my pacer susie we were going like okay let's just keep pushing but like not push hard like just stay steady and let the stomach kind of settle and like stop and eat and let it sit and then go and that seemed to be helping and so yeah, I kind of navigated that, but it was like, again, another good lesson that like your stomach can turn. And like, I haven't had my stomach turn in race in a really long time. So it was a good reminder that that can happen. And it also was like a good test of like, well, what do we do to fix it? Yeah. Well, um, this is your first yeah. time past the 62 mile mark in a while too. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's what I was, yeah. And that's again, maybe a little conversation for later, but like reflecting on it, like I don't run past 12 hours ever. So you know, or 10 hours even. So it's like, you know, figuring, like just remembering what that's like, it's very different than what I do. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say force Hill, 
was again another cluster but my the lady I met in Auburn Paige brought my dog so Jade was there and it was the cute <laughs> thing um and again all the ladies were together in Forest Hill too it was absolute chaos literally like again three through eight within from third through eight we were probably 40 seconds it was absurd yeah you guys kept like yeah. different like different people in their different pictures people kept like, appearing exactly. yeah on our like on the live stream we're like is this third? Is this seventh? We don't know. Exactly. They're all together. Like, yeah. So people would be like, well, what place were you then? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd say third because we were all third. We were all just together. Like it was like, it was a pack, which was so, so fun. Um, and so, yeah, there I got like some peach rings and tried to cool down. And again, probably ate a little too much or took too much salt. Cause that definitely didn't result in a happy stomach. Um, but then, yeah, felt pretty good going out towards Cal street. Um, my motto for that section was just steady, not like start pushing yet. And so got passed by Katie there. She's like, I'm going to hammer this downhill. Like she normally does. Like I'm taking it. Cause I feel good. I'm like, great. You You're go. like, go for it. Send it girl. And at this point, like from Robinson to this point, I had been feeling a lot more confident in just running my own race and like was still manifesting that, which felt really good because I feel like again, in that high country, I think I kind of got caught up in like other people's races and the snow and just not running fully true to myself. So I was finally feeling confident and like felt really confident letting them go because I knew I wasn't running slowly, but that I wasn't, I wasn't in a space at that point to run that fast. Um, and so, yeah, me and Susie just kind of cruised down to the river. Um, we were planning on just pounding a Coke at the aid station. I was so excited because my stomach had been, you know, not great. And like the fizzy sounded so good. Mm. Um, and so we were like 200 meters from Rocky Chucky and like started like like, woo, we're close to the boat. We're close to the aid. Like, let's just go to the boat. Then we'll get a, we'll get a Coke at the next aid. And so I was like looking up again, it's a road. It's not like technical. I hadn't fallen since mile 30 and ran a lot more technical stuff and just must've caught like a rock or something. And just next thing you know, I was on the ground and my left shoulder was just like up extended, like far over my head, like stuck straight out. And immediately I was like, oh, my shoulder is not in its socket. But like my history as a basketball player, as a high schooler, I'd have basketball. I've had injuries before to my shoulder. And when it's stuck like that, sometimes it's, I can pull it back in. Like if you give a little traction, pushing it out. And so I tried that for like maybe 10 seconds while I was on the ground initially before anything really transpired. And I was like, it's not going back in. Like, it's not a fast out. You know, it's not like a sublux. It's not like a quick in and out. So I like looked at Susan, I'm like, my shoulder is not in, like, you need to go get the medic. And again, we were probably 150 to 200 meters away. So like they saw me fall. And at this point too, I do know that like, while you're laying there, like Priscilla and like the people that were like, kind of like, well, one that like three through eight group, but then like that eight, nine, 10, 11 yeah, group is about like also. Probably, yeah. Probably like 12, 10. Again, it's a time warp. I'm guessing between eight and 13 minutes is when the first one of those girls passed me. Exactly. But yeah, you, were, you were down for a while. Been, I was down for a very long time. And the like Susie ran to them. They came out. They're screaming at her, like, do not touch her. Like nobody touch her. Like as you're laying there, like on your stomach, right? Yes. And they're like, you need to get yourself to the aid station. You need to crawl there. And I was like, I don't know if you've ever dislocated shoulder, but I can't crawl there. Like my shoulder's just stuck out above my head. Yeah. It's not like, like it's not like it's out. Can't and like, it's like, let, you can't let go of the track. Like you can't leave it like by itself because it's the most painful thing. There's, there's nowhere for it to ever. go too. Like you can't, it, yeah. it doesn't drop exactly. because there's no nowhere for it to go. Exactly. And so like, 
it's just the most painful thing. I mean, the aid station volunteers, again, like always, their goal is to get you to finish. And I will not ever like be upset with them for that. I think this was a very, very, I want to preface all this with, this was a very weird scenario. I don't think they've ever encountered this ever. Yeah. Someone needing needing attention a hundred meters from the aid station. Like that's, that's not in the rule book, right? Like it's, yeah, it's not. And so they were really like, really not letting, they were not letting, like I was asking them to pop it back in. They were like, we are not popping it back in. You're getting it yourself. You're going to crawl to the aid or you're going to roll over. You're going to pop it in yourself. Like you're getting this yourself. And so for like, I don't know, five to seven minutes, the whole goal was me trying to crawl, which didn't happen. Then the next goal was like me trying to roll myself over, which I finally got felt like forever, but maybe it was five minutes. I finally got myself to roll over. And then I was trying to like pull the arm with my other arm to get it in front of my knee, to use my knee as traction. And they were all like coaxing me through this. Like they were like, we're not touching you. Like you're getting this. And like, you know, screaming, they're like, it's okay to scream. Like it's the most painful thing. Just scream it out. Like you got this. And all the while, I'm just like, can you please put it in? Like, Ugh, not going to be able to like, get it in. My whole like viscerally, like it hurts for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was the most painful thing I've ever gone through because like, first of all, dislocating shoulder was already horrible, but like mm-hmm. to be rolling around and like moving with it and like trying to pull it in yourself and you can't get it. And like, you also don't have much strength. Like you just ran 80 miles. Like, how are you supposed to get it in? Yeah. Like, And you're so stressed with all this other stuff going on. So, you know, I tried popping it back in for a little bit, tried to get my knee into my hand. I think I have too long of arms to use a knee as a traction. Yeah. Your, Um, your proportions, you're very long human. I don't think (laughs) your knee is traction was going to work. Yeah. And so I couldn't get it in. I don't think it would have mattered even if I used like my foot, because eventually when they finally subsided to my request of like, please just pop it in. Like they were saying, okay, well, this means you have to DQ. I'm like, I don't care. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I cannot get my shoulder. The shoulder has to go in the socket. It has to go in the socket or I'm going to lay here forever. (laughs) And so, which means I'm going to disqualify anyway, because then I'm going to lay here on the ground. Um, But they had to not funny, but it's so funny. It way back to get it in. So it wasn't like a forward traction only. So I wouldn't have been able to get it in myself. So clearly it went out like out posterior and then to the side, which is like a rare dislocation. Um, but it's common if you extend your hand far ahead and like fall, probably running down. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah. As opposed to like an anterior inferior. Yep. And so I couldn't get it in and I don't think I would have ever been able to actually. So Yeah. So they ended up getting it back in after like four or five tries with like, you know, two or three men just holding me against the ground to like keep enough traction. And I like had closed my eyes because it's like, uh, it's awful when they're just yanking on your arm and it won't go in. Um, And Susie's like, are you breathing? Are you passed out? Are you okay? Yeah. It sounded like she was worried that you were conscious for a while. And I'm like, finally, like they got it in and I was like, oh, thank God. And they were like, okay, it feels like it's, it's back. Um, let's get to the aid station. And I'm like, all right. So like took the time getting up, like walk to the aid station, which we saw, we saw you in aid station. Okay. And I was like, she looks really dirty. And Dylan's like, yeah. really? Do you think so? I was like, no, she's really dirty. Yeah, like, was I don't so know. Dirty. It was disgusting. We, we had heard you maybe had fallen and then your time splits were kind of crazy. Cause you had like a bunch of time on Leah Yingling at that point, like at the last aid station, like the uh-huh. split. Yeah. And like, we had seen Leah cross the river and we're like, what the heck uh, is going on? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Priscilla 4G after the race or 4G after the race told me that she was like, yeah, I saw her there. And I was like, wow, that's a weird place to lay down. And yeah. I was like, well, she wasn't just laying down is the thing. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. like 
it's just yeah, like, it chaos. Sure. But then at that point, like we walked into the aid, like I thought I was going to have to walk out of green gate because mm-hmm. like they said I was DQ'd, but then a minute goes by and the guy's like, well, actually you can decide and you can go and decide if you want to finish. And at that point I'm like, are you kidding me? Like there's a picture of me and Susie talking to the guy and both of our eyes are like dead stare. Like we don't know what you're saying, but like, we're also kind of shell shocked. And like, are you kidding me? Like, like you told me that I could I just rolled around for 30 minutes trying to get the shoulder back in because you said I'd be DQ'd and now I'm not DQ'd, but I still had to do that. Yeah. Like it just felt like I emerged from like a horror movie. I Which is know. brutal. But they like they were trying to follow the rules, right? Yes. The rules are that no runner is allowed to receive aid outside of an aid station. If you're receiving aid outside of an aid station, akin to like if you need an emergent IV in a yep. race, right? Like those things are a do not do not yep. continue, do not finish yeah. DNA. Yeah. Scenario. So I think the executive call was to allow me to decide because I was so within sight of the aid. Yeah think that was the gray area where they're like, but we're here to like be able to help this person. And so like, I don't they know. They probably felt bad that you just rolled around on the ground for 30 minutes and horrible agony too. But the thing is, if they would have just popped it back in like right away, I might've had a chance of finishing because yeah. a pop down shoulder for like a minute or 30 seconds, not horrible. Like it goes back in, it's not fun, but like the pain is doable. Mm-hmm. You've and done like, more damage with it, like being out for so yeah, long, essentially from an inflammation just went standpoint. 30 minutes of like childbirth. Like Ooh, from where shoulder. does your energy go? Like I've never felt that zapped in my life. Like I got on the boat, like still just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, let's get to the aid, I guess. And we'll decide. Yeah. We saw you get the life jacket, like over, like they put it over yeah. your arm situation. And we were like, oh no. And then we realized that Addie Thompson, Ryan Thrower's partner had sent us a text being like, Keely, like dislocate, like fell and dislocated her shoulder. And we were like, you have got to be kidding me. Like in what oh, world? Cluster. Yeah. And I I was told by a, a, guy, a, a, fil- a guy that was there filming who was working for single track that he saw you. And in, in his words, I don't know if this actually came out of your mouth, but he said that when he saw you on the ground, you were yelling, why does this keep happening to me? Um, which I don't know if that's actually what you said, I but think in my I said mind, that to Susie, but it was before the people got there. Cause I was just like, so shocked. Yeah. And it was like, this guy wouldn't have but, been with medical. He was like, uh, just yeah, like yeah. he was setting up I a might camera, have said that, but I don't know if I was like yelling it, but maybe I was, I don't really remember some you of know, it. To be fair. I, I think I would have been yelling it if I, I were you, but I was like, Oh, that really summarizes this experience. Yeah. yeah. So this is just a cluster. And then, you know, Colleen and JT and a couple other, my crew were on the other side of the river. So we like all hiked up together, um, like practicing a little bit of jogging, practicing some walking. I don't know. It was like cut the shirt off when we got up there. Cause the, like, I couldn't lift my arm and the shirt yeah. was like completely covered in Brown and, and Colleen wanted to tape my shoulder. Yeah. Um, and Colleen, so who's it, who's it's always good to have a PT on your team. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you, you were in really yeah. good hands, which yeah, is great. exactly. So she taped it up. We had like a Jerry rigged sling. Um, and I jogged around a little bit, but like, I couldn't jog. I like, I mean, I could have probably walked it in for sure. Again, I just, at the time I could not fathom that and I couldn't jog. And so to me, it was like, do I risk like jogging and falling again and dislocating it that pain made me want to cry so that was a no and then I was like well then do I do I walk it in with my pacer to finish with a sling on like to me that just felt like a silly like story I don't know like to me I'm like what am I proving who am I proving that to um obviously it it had to be for you right like it had to be if you were going to make it in 
to the finish of Western state that had to have been for, for you at that point and nothing else. And it's like, yeah, I can't imagine like mentally being told you're disqualified and then like being like, Oh, I guess I can continue if I want. And then I've also been through this exhaustive, horribly painful experience. Like, and I have to run with one arm. I don't know. And I'm going to fall again on it. Like great type of scenario. Yeah. And things get dark. Right. And I just, yeah, I mean, I definitely regretted my decision on Tuesday. I think Tuesday is when it mentally hit me the most. And I definitely was like, I should have just freaking finished. Like maybe I would have got a second win and been able to like jog a little bit. And you can't think that way. Cause like at the time there was no way I was going to do it. And so, yeah, you made the absolute best decision you possibly could in the moment. And I think that it's really hard on the, it's, it's hard when you're reflecting on it to be like, yes, this is, this is the right, like, did I make the hundred percent right call? And I've only had, I've only had one DNF where I not, I, I've had more than one DNF, but I've only had one DNF where I've like the next day been like, yep, that was a hundred percent the right call. Mm-hmm. I've all there, every other one before that I've always been like, well, do I like at what cost? Mm-hmm. Like they were all rational reasons to drop out. I'd been puking for 70 miles. I, um, like, thought I was having like a big heat, like heat stroke episode, et cetera, like all these different reasons. But it's like, I've only had one where I was like, that was a hundred percent the right call. And I'm really, really happy about this. Last year, that was mine. Last year, it was like, that was 100% the right call. Like I couldn't walk. Yeah. And I was going to break my foot most likely. Whereas here it was like, I could have walked. My foot wasn't broken, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, but at the time I like, that's not what I was doing. I wasn't going to walk the 20 miles, but yeah. And I think it's just like also trauma brain. Like, I think that really was also something at play at my decision. Like I've never been that exhausted in my life. Like I couldn't even like think I was just like, I'm so toasted. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think nine out of 10 times, like you'd probably drop with in that same scenario. Like Mm -hmm. it'd probably be a drop. There's probably one, you know, it's probably one in 10 where you'd be like, Yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm going to walk this thing in type of thing. And oftentimes it's because there's something else on the table. It's a, it's a hard rock qualifier. It gets you into X, Y, or Z event just by finishing. It's a, it's a qualifier for something else. Like, and then without those things on the table, it's like, at what cost am I doing this thing to my, to my mental psyche, to my physical body, et cetera. Um, Like that's, that's very hard. And I think it's really hard to, I mean, you've had two very different DNFs at Western States in the last two years, both, both due to injury, which I think are like, I don't think anyone's going to be like Keely Henninger's not tough enough. She should have, should have walked it in with a sling. Right. Like I think anyone who, who has experienced a dislocated shoulder or been near anyone with a dislocated shoulder knows that like, that's a pretty horrific experience, but just like talk to us a little bit about like maybe beyond the Tuesday reflection of like, Oh man, like maybe I should have walked it in. Like, how are you feeling about this, this race, this DNF, this, like, I don't know the position that you are now, like you ran a really good 78 miles. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I've been reminding myself is that I still ran 80 miles this year. Well, ran, walked, I walked the last mile point eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, yeah, I ran a solid race. I learned a lot and I was proud at where I was. I was getting to a point where I was getting ready to start running a little faster with Jeff. Like who knows if I would have caught any of those strong girls, but I was going to try. And that in itself is really cool. You were in the fight still. You were very much yeah. in, in and the that's conversation where I wanted to be in the at fight. That point because I love those last 20 miles and I was so excited for those. And yeah. And it, it's like appreciating that race for that is, is important to me. And then appreciating just like 
all the people who traveled there for me, all the other women competitors that I got to run with, appreciating the Western States community. Like it's so, after my one day of grieving, I'd say it's really hard for me to be like really upset about it because there was so many good things that happened that making the whole experience And that includes the whole journey to get there, right? Like two months of training and like doing so much stuff, making that whole experience be viewed in the negative because of one instance that like, you know, was partially in my control. Like I should pick my feet up, but mostly out of my control. Um, That would be so silly and like would be just such a disservice to the race and what the race means to so many people and to all the people that I love who came out to support me. So, yeah, I mean, obviously like, I'm sure I'll grieve it again. It's been still pretty, pretty real, but, um, right now I feel pretty good and yeah. Yeah. I think you should be, I think you should be really, really proud of the 80 miles you put into it and the decision that you ultimately had to make. Like you made the best decision with the information you had at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that is, that is a, like, you know, you don't know what you don't know type of thing. So I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's kind of chip chipping away at it. We keep joking that third time's the charm, but you know, yeah. I'm ho- I'm hopeful. Like, like I guess speak to that a little bit. Like, you've had two kind of like weird, but still very positive experiences at Western States. Mm-hmm. Like, is a golden ticket for 2024 like something that you're like get, can get excited for or want to get excited for, even though like you don't have to be excited about it like right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. I think I will be excited for that again. I have, this is the first, you know, I won't call this a 100 cause I didn't run the whole hundred, but this is the first 120 K plus that I have finished in like my desire to run is here. My energy is good. My legs feel fine. Like my stoke for running is still here. And so Great. I know that drive will be there. And I know that I don't know if I would be ever happy with myself if I didn't give it another go. Um, I think that I'll be able to draw on last year really well. I think 2022 taught me a lot about myself in the sense that I can get to a point where I can race this race. And I think 2023 reminded me about 100 miles and that there's so much that goes on during a 100 miler. And it was really good to experience those highs and lows again, because you know, since Western States 2021, I haven't raced anything over eight-ish hours. So uh, it's a good reminder that like there's ups and downs in a 100. You can do this. You can run 80 miles. You can do it. You can roll with the punches. You can slow down when you need to, speed up when you need to. And so all of those findings and knowledge gains, I think, make me excited about thinking about something else in the future to get me back there. Um, but I have, I have no clue what that looks like yet. And, and I'm sure like the stoke I have for it will just continue to grow. Awesome. I think that's, I think that's a really good place to be in. And I know that we'll be like cheering you on through that entire, like that entire next journey, whatever it might be. And I think that this, like that is to be said too, about like the upcoming MRI and like whatever we find out about your shoulder. Like, I think the the nice thing is that you as a person over the last couple of years as well, um, be it, forced upon you via various injuries or life experiences. But I just think that like you're in such a good place as like a well-rounded human being to like take this in stride as opposed to feeling like this is, you know, the end of the world, this dev is like this absolutely devastating experience. And I think that that is 
such a critical skill as a high performer. I agree. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about your Western States experience? Um, Oh, I do. I say, I mean, I think you'll echo this. I want to say thanks to all the listeners and fans who like came out and said like, hello, or like took selfies with me randomly in the background or came up to me and said, they love God, you know, like you guys are why we do this. It's so special. So thank you so much for, you know, making a point to, to say something. This can be our society slam. Like what, like it was, it was phenomenal between being there, broken era through Western States. Like so many of you came up and, or ran by, or, you know, flitted by or yelled across the courtyard. Like that you love the podcast. And once again, like, I I think I told several of you that in person in between like random, you know, pre-race interview type of stuff or panels that, you know, like meeting the people that are listening is really, really cool because then all of a sudden I can picture all these faces that are on the other end of, you know, YouTube or, an earbud somewhere in the world, in your car, on a run, in the kitchen, et cetera. And like that to me is, is so inspiring and and why we continue to put this thing out. Yeah. So, so don't ever feel bashful about coming up, saying hi, or sending us a DM. We love them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, please, 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 please come up. I, I actually met um, a listener during Broken Era who's running the 11K um is postpartum is like been like that like the 11k was something that was approachable for them um from a training perspective and being able to do this thing and um it was just you know we've we've been there with them on the journey to getting to run the 11k at broken arrow and i think that that is so cool so continue to to find us at things we'll be around at more stuff including i'll be over in europe in august which will be really fun um before heading back down to cape town in november so uh, if you're listening from abroad um you'll find find us all over the world but i think on that note we're gonna we're gonna skedaddle on out of your ears for now and until next time we'll see you on the trail